preach like this today. Is that okay with everybody? Just don't worry about it, Alex. I'm going to stand right here. That's good. That's good. Well, good morning. How's everybody today? Good to see you guys. All right, man. Thank you, uh, Alex and Lizzie and Carrie, for that. Um, I know we were talking before the service, and Alex and Lizzie have had an incredibly busy weekend. You ever have somebody who sets your agenda for you? <laughs> She's laughing because she knows mom's getting ready to move and now uh, everybody is having to jump on board and make that happen. So thank you guys. I know, I know what it's like to, to be exhausted and still have to, to do what God's called you to do. And so I really appreciate you guys being here for us this morning. Carrie, however, has been on vacation all week. He's got no excuses for being tired. That's my story and I'm sticking with it. So last week um, we looked at the comparison between Jesus and Melchizedek and, and Aaron uh, and the author really wanted to point out the differences in those. And some of the major ones that we talked about last week and then we looked at it in our own lives is the fact that we all have sin in us, right? And that was the problem specifically with Aaron and all the, the priests in the family of Levi is that there was sin there. And so not only did they have to make atonement for their own sin, but also for the people. Um, and that kind of messed things up. It wasn't perfect the way God intended it for it to be. And so then we get this look at this mysterious guy, Melchizedek, who we'll talk about a little bit more later in a few weeks. And then obviously Jesus, who has no sin. And so that's why he is the perfect high priest, because he doesn't have to make atonement for his own sin, because he's perfect, which makes his sacrifice for us perfect. We looked at the story of Abram last week and how over and over and over again, God would give him a specific instruction Go and survey this land or go by yourself. And he didn't do it. Remember, Abram told, God told Abram to go and leave his family, leave his country land to this land that God was promising to him. And not only was he going to give him all this land, but he was going to give him more descendants than the, than the stars in the sky in order to fill that land. Well, Abram does and he goes with Lot and then that messes things up. And, and we kind of walked down that path last week. But one of the things that really stood out to me last week that the Lord kept saying over and over and over again to me is, that the blessings of God always follow obedience, right? Remember we talked about that last week. We see how in Scripture Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commands. Do the things that I've called you to do. And we want to look at that in a very particular way. We don't want to look at that as a checklist of a thing that we have to do because Jesus told us we do, but it's something that we do out of the response of the love that he's given us and the love that we have for him. Today we're going to see the author very quickly change the tone of his message. Here we are in the middle of... Uh, this chapter 5 or, or towards the end of it where he's, he's talking about Aaron, he's talking about Melchizedek and then he's going to flip a switch and we're going to see it in just a moment. But before we get to that, I want to kind of get our, our heads in the right brain space. Is everybody with me this morning? Okay, so raise your hand if you've ever watched a show, I think it comes on the History Channel, uh, it's called Alone. Anybody see that before? Kyle has seen it, my man. Okay, here's the premise of the show. Um, there's some contestants and they get to take 10 items with them and they drop them off in the middle of the wilderness, miles apart from one another. They're alone, hence the name of the show. And whoever lasts the longest, whoever stays in the wilderness the longest wins, I don't remember what it was, like $500,000. Pretty, pretty good prize. And so um, Bethany and I have, have been watching that kind of on and off again. We just finished season three where they drop these 10 people off in the wilderness of Patagonia. There's a lake and there's mountains and panthers and all kinds of things that, that make scary noises in the night. And they get to bring stuff like axes and hatchets and fire starters and things like that, but not food. They have to find that themselves. And so during this last season, there's the guy that's on, he's kind of a knucklehead. Um, but one of the things he kept saying 
really resonated. Like you ever hear somebody, I don't know, maybe y'all don't have this experience, but you ever hear somebody say something and you're like, man, that'll preach right there. Y'all ever have that? Is it just me? Okay, maybe it's just me. But he says this thing and it really resonated with me because it, it goes in line with what I feel like the Lord has told me is important for my life and for our life as a church and that is to continue to learn. But he says this, he says, are you willing to give up what you are to become what you want to be. So I did a little Googling, and it, he's not the one that came up with that. It was this other guy named Oren. But the point is, is the same. In order for us to become more like Christ, we have to become less like we are right now, right? We have to be, make this evolution, this change of going from a person who is not like Jesus to becoming like a person who is more like Jesus. So in, in looking that up last week, I also ran across this other, I've never heard of this guy, F.B. Meyer, but he says, if you're not willing to give up everything for Christ, are you willing to be made willing? Okay, and so wherever you find yourself this morning, if you are at that place in your life where like, yes, Jesus, whatever you call me to do, I'm in, fantastic. Or you might be in a place in your life where you're like, you know, I'd really like to, but I'm not sure I'm there yet. That's Okay. God finds us and he meets us right where we are. But today, as we, as we dive into this, I want to remind us of a couple of things. Number one, that again, like we just talked about a while ago, that, that our ability to see God's work in our lives is dependent upon our willingness to allow him to do that. Okay? And as we look at the scripture this morning, one that you're familiar with, my hope and my prayer is that you would see these words not in a discouraging way, but as a, it is an encouragement to continue on where you find yourself right now. Okay, so let's read this together. Before we do that, hold on. I want to go back to those lyrics from that last song because I want you to see, I love pointing this stuff out. I want you to see how the Lord is preparing us this morning already. Verse two in that last song we just sang said, and I could hold on. I could hold on to who I am and never let go, but change me from the inside and I could be safe. I could be safe here in your arms and never leave home, never let these walls down, but you have called me higher. You've called me deeper. Okay, so already this morning, the Lord is pressing us in towards this message. So look with me at Hebrews chapter 5. We're going to read verses 11 through chapter 6, verse 3. It says, we have a great deal to say about this. And I want to pause right there. And what he's talking about, he's referencing what he just said in Melchizedek. Okay, about Melchizedek. And we'll get back to that in chapter 7. But he says, we have a great deal to say about this. And it's difficult to explain since you have become too lazy to understand See that tone change I was talking about? It says, although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. You need milk, not solid food. Now, everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, for the, those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teaching about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works, faith in God, teaching about ritual washings, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And we will do this if God permits. Now, I'll tell you this morning, I, I, I gave this message the daddiest of all dad jokes, the title of it. It's um, a knife and fork kind of faith. The stakes couldn't be higher. Okay. <laughs> And we'll, we'll get back to that in a minute. But I, I want to point this out. It's obvious to me, and, and the commentators that you read will say the same thing, that the author of this book, this letter, knew these people, right? Those are not the kinds of things that you say to someone whom you don't know well, right? 
And today, rather than hearing this coming from my perspective, I, I want, I don't, what I'm saying is I don't want you to hear me speaking this into your life. What I want us to do today is for each of us to individually examine our own lives, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to where we are. All of us are in different places in our lives. And so today as we walk through this passage, what the Lord wants for each of us is for us to not feel condemned by Him or by me or by anyone else, but to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to where you are so that you can move from where you are to where God wants you to be. There's two things that we need to think about today. First, where do you find yourself in these last four verses of Hebrews chapter 5? Are you drinking milk when you should be eating meat? And I want to say this too, because we've just talked about it's okay it, that God meets us where we are. If, if you are a new believer and you're still drinking the milk of learning the foundations of our Christian faith, that's wonderful. You should not feel bad about that. This phrasing was common in the early church, and it probably is to you too. You probably heard this passage or the one from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Paul says something similar. Look at this with me. He says, For my part, brothers and sisters, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as babies in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, since you were not yet ready for it. In fact, you are still not ready, because you are still worldly. For since there is envy and strife among you, you are, not, are you not worldly and behaving like mere humans? For whenever someone says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not acting like mere humans? Both Paul and the author of Hebrews are examining the lives of the people that are in their life, the churches that God has called them to, and, he's, and finding the, that their focus is everywhere but where it should be. You see, Paul and the author of Hebrews are, are taking a pause in their messages. The author of the, of the letter to the Hebrews is, is saying, look guys, we're fixing to deal with some stuff that's going to be challenging. And I need you to get your minds in the right place. If you've been just over here not worrying about the hard stuff, not thinking about the heavy stuff, now's the time. This morning, as you think about your own life, how would you honestly evaluate it? Is the bulk of your time focused on yourself and your desires, or are they focused on the calling that God has put on your life? We need to address that everyone starts by being fed milk, and that's good. We just talked about that. We cannot bypass that stage. We're not born 18 years old, right? You're not born with a steak in your mouth. That's not how our, our bodies work. If you're a new believer still learning the basics, that's precisely where you need to be. However, if you're not a new believer... That's not where your focus needs to be. You should have learned those things already. The beauty of this process is that all of us are in different places along this journey. Some are babies. We've got some middle schoolers among us, right, that are awkward in their faith, still not real sure how to utilize all the tools. That was a joke. Y'all, come on. Wake up. Y'all with me? All right. And we've got some, some young adults in the room. We're kind of getting things. We've got some midlifers. And then we've got some people who've been in a relationship with the Lord a long, long time. And they've got a good handle on what that looks like. But no matter where you find yourself today, there's room for exponential growth in your life. We're never going to get to a place where God goes, yep, Will's made it. He's there. You can just stop working. Just, you're good, Will, right there where you are. That's not going to happen. Until we are like Christ in every way, there's room for growth in our life. And so what Paul is addressing, what the author of Hebrews is addressing, is not just knowledge. It's not about how much do I know about God. They're both urging their people to pursue the person of Jesus and to know him by experience. 
That's not exactly how they say it, but that's our language, right? They don't want them to just know about Jesus. They don't want them to just be able to recount the facts, the rituals, the things that they're supposed to do. They want them to understand them in a, in a deep way, that it's part of who they are. The author of Hebrews is, is stirring the spirit of the church because they're about to dig into heavy theology, right? That's where we're headed in this book, okay? It's time for some steak. If you weren't hungry, you're about to be, okay? We're moving in that direction, okay? Don't let the word theology scare you because it's simply walking or thinking through what you believe about God. It doesn't mean you have to go to seminary. It doesn't mean that you have to get a bunch of degrees and spend a ton of time studying just theology books. But what it does mean is you need to think about why you believe what you believe. You need to think about how does that affect your life and how do I make application of what I'm reading in Scripture? There have been too many that have been confused with that theology and knowledge are the same, but it's so much more than that. Paul makes it clear a little further in his letter in, in, to the Corinthians in chapter 3, verse 18 through 20. He says, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks he is wise in his age, let him become a fool so that he can become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God, since it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the reasonings of the wise are futile. Don't get trapped in thinking of, that this is just religious activity either. It's not about just what we do or just what we know. It's about who we are. We're, we're not being challenged to do more or to gain more information. That's what the Pharisees and the Sadducees did. And Jesus had a lot to say about them, right? He had some real clear opinions. Look at Matthew 25, or Matthew 23, verse 2 through 6. It said, the scribes and the Pharisees are seated in the chair of Moses. Therefore, do whatever they tell you and observe it, but don't do what they do because they don't practice what they teach. They tie up heavy loads that are hard to carry and put them on people's shoulders. But they themselves aren't willing to lift a finger to move them. They do everything to be seen by others. They enlarge their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels. They love the place of honor at banquets, the front seats at the synagogues. You see, the Pharisees were not focused on knowing God, but appearing as if they knew everything about God. Their focus wasn't on God, it was on what people thought of them and how they perceived them. Jesus isn't calling for more of this. The author of Hebrews is not saying, learn a bunch of theology, do hard things so that you can look good in front of other people. He's saying, dig deeper into your relationship with God. God used the law to reveal to people that they had a need for him. That's what the Sadducees and the Pharisees built all these rules and these traditions and these regulations around. But they took the law that God meant for good to show us that we need God, and they used it to show the people that they needed them. They made it about themselves. This message in the middle of Hebrews wasn't to bind people up or to heap a heavy load on them or to make them feel bad about where they were. But rather, it's to remind them that there's so much more of God that they have not experienced yet. It's time to start cooking the steak. Look, I don't, I don't know about you guys. Um, when I was younger, for me to cook a steak, you just open up the propane grill, you put some meat on there, and you cook it until it's about right, and you just take it off. And that can be pretty good. But then, I, y'all might know this about me, you may not. I'm obsessed with cooking shows. I watch, like Gordon Ramsay is my spirit animal, I think, sometimes. I'm just not quite as mean. Yet, I'm getting older. We'll see what happens, okay? But here's what I've learned is you can cook a great steak on the grill. 
But you bring it inside and you put it in a pan, just a little salt and pepper, nice hot pan, get a good sear on it, right? You want that crust. You flip it. When you flip it, you put some butter in there. That butter starts to brown. You add some thyme, add a little garlic, and you baste it, and you baste it, and you baste it. And you just took something that was going to be just okay, and now your mouth's watering, isn't it? Okay? If you're not a meat eater, you can do the same thing with a portobello mushroom. It's fantastic. What Jesus is telling us, what the author of Hebrews is telling the church is, we have settled for just the milk. And Jesus is saying, y'all, I got some steak, okay? And I don't know about you, but when I'm hungry, a glass of milk's pretty good. But a steak is amazing. And so often in our lives, we settle for the milk when Jesus is saying, y'all, I got so much more. That was just the beginning. I was just starting you on that. You, ain't, you don't even know yet. So where do you find yourself today? What God is speaking to the church through both of these writers is that there's more depth to him than the church has experienced. There's more depth to him than we have experienced. The problem is that so many, many of us face is that we settle for the surface level stuff and we never allow God to take us into deep understanding. And the primary reason that the author of Hebrews says that we do that is because of laziness or sluggishness. Now that's some pretty strong language, right? When you call somebody lazy, that's a big deal. It is for me anyway. They're unwilling to go deeper, he says, because it would be hard work. To say it in Louisiana terms, we often take that laissez-faire kind of attitude towards our relationship with Christ, right? To say, well, we'll just kind of let it play out and see how it goes. That's what that means. Is to not be in control and to just, yeah, just see what happens. Rather than being intentional about growing. We don't like it when life gets difficult because it requires focus and energy and stamina. And the world convinces us that we're running out of those. But the truth is we're not. We're not running out of those. If you've ever been a runner or you've ever lifted weights or you've ever been to a CrossFit class in your life, those are things that I've experienced. You think you know your limit. And what you realize before very long is if you push yourself or if somebody else pushes you, you can do much more than you ever thought was possible. We put that back in the spiritual realm. The same is true is that often we assume we can only go so far. But that's because we're relying on our own ability, our own thoughts, our own perceptions. And what God is saying is if you will let him take the reins, there's so much more there that we can experience. But we got to let him do that for us. We're capable of far more than we think. And we have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us to spur us on in that direction. But we got to give him the permission to do that. So the first question we asked this morning is, are you still drinking milk when you should be eating meat? And the second question is this, are you willing to follow God's lead into a deeper understanding of who he is and then obey what he asks of you? If we're going to move from the milk to the meat, that means that we got to go deeper. And the only way that happens is if we allow God to do it. In, in verses uh, 1 through 3 in Hebrews chapter 6, the author says that it's time for us to leave the elementary ways of thinking and go on to maturity. Over the last few weeks, I've told you guys that I feel like we're right on the cusp, on the edge of something significant for our body and for the people that we do life with. God's putting together the pieces of the plan that have been in the works for years, but unless we as a body are willing to move forward with Him, those things will not happen. We will find ourselves like Abram, where we just kind of obey what God has said, and then we 
we are delaying or even removing ourselves from the opportunity to see the promises that God's made for us. Here's the thing about where God's leading us. I don't have the full picture yet. If you were to say, well, Will, what are you talking about? I don't know. I just know what the Holy Spirit is saying to me. Because of the nature of how God's called us to be as a church, the full picture is not going to be realized until each one of us are walking in obedience. And then we go, oh, God called Lizzie to run for this position. Right? She's just the example. She shared that testimony last week. If you didn't know that, you can talk to Lizzie about it after the fact. Okay? But as each of us obey, we get to get a clear picture of what God is doing as a whole in our body. But that only happens as we obey. I know a few specific things, but I also know historically that God does not give me the whole picture because when he gives me the whole picture, instead of me waiting and relying on him, I go, you know, Mr. Fixer here, I go, oh, I know how to accomplish that. And I put together my own plan and I start making my own moves in order to accomplish what God wants. But often I'm not doing it the way God's called me to. I'm doing it the way Will thinks it ought to be done. So I'm excited to see what he has planned for all of us together. I can't wait to see what God's going to do in your life. I can't wait for those opportunities for us to, to sit down and be like, all right, well, I think this is a little crazy, but I, I think this is what God's telling me to do. I don't be like, all right, let's go. Let's do it. Right? Because what God can come up with in order to reach the people in our lives is going to be way more significant than any plan that we could ever hatch. You remember reading those books when you were younger? where you read to a certain place and then you get to make a decision on the character and then you turn to this page if you want to make this decision. Anybody read those as a kid? <laughs> Josh was like, I love those. Okay, those are a lot of fun, right? I feel like that's what the body of Christ is a lot like. Is that all of us are in this story together and all of us have decisions to make every day about whether or not we're going to walk in obedience to God. And if we're going to be obedient, we're going to turn to this page and the story's going to develop in this way. Or we're going to not be obedient and the story's going to develop in another way. And y'all, I'm going to be honest. That's a lot of fun. That's a fun way to do life. It's for all of us to be dependent upon one another and dependent on the Holy Spirit to figure out what our story looks like. To figure out what the ministry that God's called us to do looks like. And it's not dependent upon me. It's not dependent upon the elders. It's dependent upon... Each one of us as individual believers pursuing the Lord, going deep with Him, and then figuring out what He's asking us to do. On the other hand, if we don't respond, if we relegate ourselves and others to the breadcrumbs of life rather than taking a seat at God's table, we're missing out. They're missing out. One of the commentaries I read this week told the story of a Greek inscription that was found during an archaeological dig, and the inscription was um, basically a letter from a younger brother to an older brother. The younger brother is, is fussing at the older brother because um, their sisters died, and he had to pay for the uh, funeral arrangements and for the tomb. And you may think, well, what's the big deal? Maybe the older brother didn't have any money. Well, remember their culture. The older brother is the one that received the inheritance and the responsibility for caring for the family. And in that inscription is this same word, that we see translated in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11, as sluggish or lazy. And in this inscription, it's used as negligent. The younger brother says to the older brother, you have, neg you have been negligent to our family. You have neglected your responsibility. And so for me, that gives us such a deeper meaning of what the author of Hebrews is trying to say. It's not just that we are lazy or sluggish. It's that we become negligent. And that's a big deal. 
Because the decisions that we make, we talk about this all the time, don't just affect us. They affect everybody in our lives around us. Abram's negligence that we talked about last week, to not do what God called him to do, affected his family. It affected Lot in his, in his family. All of that happens, happened in their lives because Abram didn't do what God told him to do. And we see that over and over and over. And the tragedy will be is that often in our own lives, we are negligent. We kind of do what God called us to do. Or we just don't ask. And then as a result, that impacts the rest of our families. It impacts the people around us. If we fail to mature in our faith, we are being negligent to the calling to the believers around us and to those. We're being negligent to those who need a relationship with Jesus. So we're not just, our decisions aren't just about us. They're about the people around us as well. So in the middle of this text, the author makes this abrupt change. And he goes from, we're going to talk about Jesus and Aaron Melchizedek to stop being lazy. And I want to have a very similar, I'm going to take a note from him today and I want to be abrupt in the middle of this message. I want to change the tone. Because I want to tell you, as I look around this room, as I think about the times that we have done ministry together, as I think about the lunches that we have shared and the coffees that we share, every time I am blown away by you guys, by your desire to know the Lord and to be obedient to what he's called you to do. The testimonies that we hear on Sunday morning speak to this church's desire to follow and do what God has called, him, called us to do. And I cannot say thank you enough for doing life in that way. I was talking to somebody this week who who's, wants a new job. But their prayer is, God, you know what I want, but show me what you want me to do. That's significant. Lizzie shared a similar testimony last week. Right? Y'all, that's not, that's not normal in church culture today. What's normal is for people to use God as, you know, a, a genie, Right? And to ask for the things that they want and, and then just that's it. But church, you guys are a, such a blessing. Such a blessing. And so this week as I've studied this passage, as I've thought about you guys, I know that all of us, I know me, right? I know I have room to grow in my life. And I know the same is true for you. And so we can't just bypass this word and not think about it. But I want you to know how I feel about you. You guys are incredible. And I love you dearly. And I'm so excited to see what happens as we all continue to grow in our relationship with God. I know how good things are right now. And I know that as we continue to pursue God, they're only going to get better. Today, I, I want to end our, our time together by reading Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 um, and four, through 4. One. I came across this when I was studying this week. And this is Paul preaching to the church in Philippi or writing them a letter. And so I want you to just feel the warmth here, okay? He says, not that I've already reached the goal or I'm already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken of hold of by Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this to you also. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. 
Join in imitating me, brothers and sisters, and pay careful attention to those who live according to the example you have in us. For I've often told you, and now I say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their stomach, their glory is their shame, and they are focused on earthly things. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of His glorious body by the power that enables Him to subject everything to Himself. So then, my dearly loved, so then, my dearly loved and longed for brothers and sisters, my joy and my crown. In this manner, stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. The struggle that churches face is not new. This desire to take the easy road is not new. A body of believers that chooses to walk in obedience to God is also not new. We've got to choose which church we are. As God moves us forward in our ministry, each of us individually has to make a decision. Are we going to move forward with the Lord? Are we going to move forward for ourselves? But I want you guys to know that you are my joy and my crown. That I love you because you've chosen up until this point to walk in obedience. And I cannot wait to see what God does in the rest of our lives. So I want to end with this same question. Are you willing to give up what you are to become what you might be? There's so much that God wants us to experience. But we've got to make a decision every day to walk in obedience to him. So let's decide together today to go deeper together, to walk with him. As this week moves forward, get out your pans, get out your steaks, get out your butter, your garlic, and your thyme, and let's get to cooking. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for, for such an encouraging word today. Lord, as you've called us to, to walk out our own personal ministries with one another. Father, I ask that you speak very clearly to us, that you would um, put us in the right places at the right times to understand your desires for us. Father, I ask that as we are fumbling our way through figuring that out, that you would put markers in the road that would very clearly identify for us when we go left and when we go right, when we stop, when we go. God, our desire as a body is to know you, to pursue you, and to walk with you. God, as we, as we wake up tomorrow morning and every morning after that, Father, I ask that you would be the first thoughts on our minds. God, that you would drive us to know you every day. Father, that you would use us to change the lives of people around us, that you would teach us who you are and give us opportunities to share that with people that desperately need to hear. Jesus, we ask these things in your name. Amen.